Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we return to the listener library for a recommendation from our mysterious listener, Todd. Todd writes... It's been over a year and a half since the group reviewed a Fear on 4 episode. Surprising, since the group liked the snowman killing so much. So instead of another suspense escape or, God forbid, another dark fantasy episode, why not review Tissue Memory from Fear on 4? It is unlike anything reviewed so far. Fear on 4 aired on BBC Radio from 1988 to 1993, returning for a final season in 1997. The anthology series was hosted by The Man in Black, a figure lifted directly from the show's Golden Age predecessor, Appointment with Fear, which had in turn borrowed the character from radio's theater thrills, Suspense. Appointment with Fear ran from 1943 to 1955 and featured Valentine Dial as The Man in Black. A subsequent series, known as The Man in Black, enjoyed a short run in 1949 with Dial resuming the role. The BBC launched another audio series entitled The Man in Black, which ran from 2009 to 2011, with Mark Gaddis in the titular role. For Fear and Four, The Man in Black was portrayed by Edward D'Souza. Tissue Memory was written by award-winning playwright Judy Upton. Her honors include the George Devine Award for her 1994 play Ashes and Sand and the Verity Bargate Award for her 1995 play Bruises. Now let's listen to Tissue Memory from the final season of Fear on Four, first aired October 16th, 1997. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Welcome to Fear on Four. Well, thank you, everybody. I think you all worked very successfully together. (laughs) Uh, She can go into recovery now. Right. We'll keep an eye on her, but I think she'll be fine. Tissue Memory by Judy Upton. We ought to be thinking about going back inside. Let's walk a little bit further. I don't want you overdoing it. I know. All right. Just as far as accident and emergency. Ooh. That's Daddy Anna. Take your time. Who's that waving at us? Where? Well, it must be us he's waving at. There's no one else it could be. Perhaps he's one of the junior doctors who watched my operation. Where are you looking? I can't see anyone. Perhaps something's happened. We ought to go and see what he wants. Oh, no, we didn't. I promised Dr. Brayfield I wouldn't walk you more than a few yards, and it's getting chilly. It's time to go back inside. Oh, but Paul... We'll tell the staff nurse that there's someone in the car park who might need assistance. Now, come on. Good night. Thanks. He must have run off. I'm sure it was the same man I saw in the car park earlier. I thought then he might be a doctor. You won't find a doctor in here at this time. It's a full-scale emergency. But it is possible some drunk could have blundered up from a casualty. It hasn't been known. 
And I let security just to be on the safe side. Thank you. Chances are, though, it was just a dream. <sighs> Shall I get you something to help you sleep? No. I'll be fine now, Sally. Good night. Good night, Emma. It's so good to see you with a little colour in your cheeks again. You, you seem to be getting stronger every day. Yes. <laughs> I feel what I am. Little by little, I'm becoming the old Anna again. My old Anna with a brand new heart. Mm. <laughs> what kind of bird is that singing? I can't hear anything. You lift me up on my pillows <clears throat> so I can look out the window. Hmm? Oh, there. Oh. More comfy? Mm. The concrete jungle. Hmm. Not a tree or a patch of grass in sight. I don't know why they always used to build hospitals in the grimmest kind of urban location they could find. Even in the summer, I don't expect to find many birds or flowers around here. Blackstone floor. An arga. Where am I? Where am I? Outside, trees and fields. Someone's chopping wood. If I'm dreaming, why can I feel the roughness of the flagstones under my feet? The coolness of the window pane. A winding garden path lined with red hollyhocks, golden dahlias, lavender, forest of dark green firs beyond the garden fence. from the hospital coming up the path can you see me he's looking right at me he's very handsome he's coming in oh how can I explain what I'm doing in his house when I don't even know how I got here I thought maybe we'd get my mother to do the flowers well that'll save another expense um have you had any more thoughts about where we should go on honeymoon Anna Anna what love you're not feeling faint again, were you, darling? Was I asleep? No. You just had a sort of far-off look in your eyes. Oh, it's not because I was talking about the wedding, is it? You're not having second thoughts about still going ahead in August? No, love. I... I just had the strangest feeling. Well, it's barely a month since you're up. Of course, you still tire easily. And that's why you must say if you think we should postpone the wedding. Only you can know how well you feel. Blood pressure normal? Good. I definitely wasn't daydreaming, Dr. Brayfield. There I was, standing in someone else's kitchen. It can't be real, yet it feels like it is. And there was a man. I've seen him in the hospital, too. Uh, high cheekbones, curly brown hair, staring, golden eyes. Is it some kind of side effect from the anti-rejection drugs? Some sort of hallucination? Oh, I can assure you, you're not being given anything that could cause visions of this nature. I'm having visions, am I, Doctor? Uh, you say you've never experienced anything like this before, your transplant? No, never. Well, there is a reported phenomenon we call tissue memory, mm. in which the recipient of the transplanted organ starts to experience flashbacks from the donor's life. So, you're telling me I'm having someone else's memories? Uh, quite possibly. These tissue memories are nothing to worry about. In the papers I've read on the phenomenon, all the evidence suggests they'll soon fade away. Not still awake, are you, Anna? Oh, I just can't get to sleep tonight. I'm making a cup of tea, if you'd like mm. one. You're a treasure, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell have you been? God, Chippy, you disappear for hours without even having the consideration to tell me where you're going or even leave me a note. Who are you? You've changed, Jilly. Something's changed in you. Can he hear me? Something's died in you. Can he see me or does he see her? Don't just stand there with that smug-knowing smile on your face. Why won't you talk to me? Why can't we talk like we used to? I know you're keeping something from me, Jilly. And I'm going to find you out, one way or another. Anna? Anna? 
You were talking in your sleep. I wasn't asleep. You were having a bad dream by the sound of it. You kept shouting for your boyfriend, Mark, Mark. My fiancé's name's Paul. And I wasn't dreaming. It was real. Here's your tea, Anna. Can you try and get back to sleep, eh? I wasn't asleep. It was someone else's memory. My heart donors. I know she was a woman a little younger than me. I wonder how she died. I find myself in her world. I sense what's around her. I can see through her eyes. But I can't touch her thoughts. Yet I can feel. I can feel she felt passionately about him. About Mark. Just thinking about him now is making my... Making her heartbeat quicken. He's here. In my bed. He's kissing me. I can feel his lips. I can feel my mouth kissing him. My fingers can touch him. I can feel the warmth of his body. His breath close to my ear. Just a memory. He's not really here. Penny for him. You've got that faraway look in your eyes again. He's looking straight into my eyes. You were thinking of someone else, weren't you? When I was kissing you then? When we were making love earlier? Who is he? Who is he, Chile? If I close my eyes, maybe he'll disappear. Fade like a ghost into the darkness. Still here, he's breathing. He's closed his eyes. His face looks so peaceful, so handsome. What would Paul think if he knew I was lying here with another man? Still awake, huh? He's gone. Sorry, I'm a bit late this afternoon. Lunchtime meetings always seem to overrun, don't they? Uh, Giles was very pleased to hear you'd be well enough to make the sales conference. Oh. Or wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't incorporate some kind of uh, little celebration to welcome you back to the land of the living. I remember the last of Giles' little celebrations. <laughs> you must be looking forward to getting back to work. Mm. I don't know how you can stand the sheer boredom of being stuck in here day after day. Mm, well, Dr Brayfield did say that he might be able to let me out at the end of the week. Oh, that... Oh, that's terrific news. Um, I've still got the bathroom and kitchen to decorate, but the study is nearly finished. I've laid the carpet, and there's room for both our desks. Well, once I'm out of here, there's no reason why I can't start working again Mm. from the flat. Just, well, an hour or so at a time for a few of my old clients. Well, the extra phone line should be installed by the weekend. And I think I've solved the problem of your laptop. You know... We really should give some thought to setting up on our own as a, as a design partnership. Up once you're fully recovered, of course. Morning, Jilly. Mark. God, that makes a change, doesn't it? Someone from the village actually talking to us. Sometimes I think the biggest mistake we ever made was to leave London for this place. It's beautiful here. Thatch roofs, village store, little tea shop, a church tower rising above a cluster of yew trees. In the distance, a nosed house. I suppose you're going up to town this afternoon to see your sister. You're gripping my hand too tight. It hurts. Like you did last weekend. Or rather, that's where you told me you were. But I followed you, Jilly. And you didn't go to the station. Anna? Anna? (laughs) You were looking all far away and dreamy again. I just asked you if you thought mint green or the cornflower blue for the bathroom. Cornflower blue. Yes, that sounds nice. You know what your problem is? You've been in here so long, you're starting to vegetate. When are you seeing Dr Brayfield? He's supposed to be in this afternoon. (laughs) If he isn't on the golf course. The sooner he lets you out of here, the better. I'm afraid it would be breaching the regulations concerning patient confidentiality to tell you the origins of the donor organ. You were told you now have the heart of a healthy 25-year-old woman, and that's all you need to know. But I have some of that woman's memories. You imagine you're sleeping with her partner, quite so. I don't imagine it, Dr Brayfield. 
I remember it. I, I keep finding myself living the life of a dead woman. All the more reason for trying to put it out of your mind. It's easy for you to say, Doctor. Can't you just let me know if her name was Jilly and what she died of? I'm sorry, Ada. Donor confidentiality has to be respected. What you need to be thinking about is your new heart's future, not worrying yourself about its past. You're making very good progress, Anna. So good that I'm willing to discharge you, as long as there's someone at home to take care of you. Mark, I mean, Paul will be there. So what do you think, darling? Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe the gold mixer taps are a little over the top. And I wasn't sure whether to get a blue or white shower curtain. I thought I'd leave that decision for you to make. Mm -hmm. And I've repositioned your antique mirror yeah. over here. I've had the back re-silvered too, so you'll be able to see yourself more clearly. Looking at your face in the mirror again, Jilly. Wondering if you should pretty yourself up for him, whoever he is. Oh, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me there's no one else. For God's sake, talk to me. Jilly! I... I'm not... It's all right, darling. It's all right. Here. Here, sit down. Sit down. Are you feeling dizzy? Oh, no. Uh, only one minute you were looking in the mirror and the next you were swaying like you were going to fall. I just... I just felt a bit faint, I suppose. Oh. The excitement of coming out of hospital. Yeah, or maybe it's the uh, the paint fumes in here. It's a better view than from your old flat, isn't it? Still just rooftops and blocks of flats. Oh, I wish we could move to the country. What? You always told me you're a city person. You like the hustle and bustle, the life in the fast lane. I know, I did. But now, I'd like to wake up to birdsong. You know what you've had, don't you, Anna? A change of heart. Mm, funny, <laughs> I don't think. But the main thing is, you're back on your feet. <laughs> and we can start living the way we did before you became ill. Mm. The old Anna's back in business. <laughs> and back with me at last. It's in a village with a station. There was a church, a tea shop, and an oast house in the distance. It's probably Kent, then. I'd know it if I saw a picture of it. I'd recognise the church. There are several good illustrated guides to Kent villages. Uh, have a look over there. This one for stations to Ramsgate, love. Thanks. I know this street as if I've really been here before. Walking arm in arm with Mark. Past the store, the little tea shop, and here's the farm track to our... to their cottage. It must be just beyond that clump of trees. He might still be living there. Oh, supposing that's him, cutting logs for the stove. He doesn't know me. I mustn't disturb him. I can't ask him about her. She can only have died a month ago. Poor young woman. Such a waste. And to leave this beautiful place and him behind. The cottage. Exactly as my heart remembered it. Red hollyhocks. Huge golden dahlias drooping over the path. He must be in the wood beyond. I must go up to the house and just have a quick look in the kitchen window where her memories have placed me so many times. Oh, fresh lavender and thyme. The kitchen. Exactly as it was in her memories. Oh, it's so peaceful here. Not a sound. The axe has stopped. He might be coming back here. If he sees me, he'll think there's a strange woman stooping round in his garden. And how can I explain? Oi. A man. A long way off. It must be him. He's seen me in his garden. I must go. He's coming. Oh, Anna. Hello, Paul. 
I'm okay. <laughs> Whatever possessed you? Going off like that to some remote spot without letting anyone know where you were going? Ask him. Ask Dr. Brayfield what I was doing down that particular country lane in front of that particular cottage. I don't see how the doctor can... I don't know exactly where you were found, Anna. I didn't speak to the ambulance crew myself. What concerns me is that you were found lying on the damp ground completely unconscious and in your fragile state... I was outside her house. The woman whose heart I've been given. I was standing outside her house listening to... listening to... to Mark... Chopping logs in the forest. Mark. Now, take it easy, Anna. He, Mark, he... It's all right, Anna, it's all right. Now, just talk to her for a minute, Paul. Try to calm her. Now, Sally, I need this patient moved to intensive care as a precautionary measure. Fingers crossed there's room. Take deep breaths, Anna. Everything's all right, darling. I'm just giving you something to make you relax. There we are. I can't breathe. Now, you know how to use the oxygen mask, don't you, Anna? Just let it help you. Breathe slowly. There's no hurry. That's it. Nice, slow, deep breaths. Can you take over here, Sally? I need to talk to Paul for a minute. Of course, Doctor. Just give her a little oxygen as and when she needs it. Right. What's wrong with her? Initial tests suggest that Anna's accident, lying unconscious on damp, chilly ground, may have been detrimental to the health of her new heart. It's showing certain signs of uh, starting to reject. Oh, no. Oh, Anna. Uh, We'll up her immunosuppressant medication and move her down to intensive care, where she can be more closely supervised. She will be all right, won't she? That's better, Anna. (laughs) You're out of danger now. Listen to me. Jilly. Jilly. Anna. Anna. I know where you've been. It's that farmer. That pig farmer, isn't it? That's the mud from his barnyard on your boots, isn't it? Mark, listen. Please be able to hear me. I'm not Jilly. I'm Anna. Please. Please put the axe down. Is that where you've been? In a barn with that farmer? He's crazy. I've got to escape. Up here. Don't think you can run away from this, Jilly! The bedroom window. Oh, it's stuck. I'm trapped. Look at you. With that cold, superior sneer on your face. Get back. Please. Put the axe down. Please. You've got to listen to me. Oh, scared, are you? Scared I'd hit you with this? Well, maybe I would. Maybe I'm just mad enough. No, no. the ceiling. Steady. Think. Dr. Brayfield said I was being moved to intensive care. So, it's a different ceiling. Put the light on. Try to read. There's a woman lying beside me. This isn't the ward. I'm still in the cottage. It's her. Jilly, she's looking straight at me. Can she see me? Oh, she's very still. Perhaps she's... No, she's breathing. Oh, I'm face to face with my heart's previous owner. 
What is no. I'll administer the sedative. Mark, how's Mark? Everything's okay, Anna. Where is he? Where's Mark? Why won't you tell me? My husband is... My husband... She means a fiancé. Is he on his way? She needs to be allowed to rest. Let her sleep now. Dr. Brayfield. Anna's condition does seem to be stabilised. Can I see her? Briefly, yes. But is the new heart being rejected? I hope the drugs we're giving her can prevent it. Oh, it's my fault, I mean. Persuading her to sell her flat, all, all the upheaval of moving to my place, plus the wedding plans, it's, it's been too stressful. Uh, no, it's nothing to do with that. It's more to do with the heart itself. There, there's something wrong with it? I, I thought it had come from a healthy young donor. Physically healthy, yes. But one who had been through a very traumatic experience immediately prior to her death. I don't know how much Anna has told you. Uh, told me uh, about what? Uh, she's been experiencing tissue memory... Flashbacks from the heart donor's life. Through here, follow me. I can't... Are you sure? I mean, she's not mentioned anything like that to me. Hello, Dr. Greyfield. Paul, she's just waking up. Thank you, Sally. How are you, Anna? Why can't you let me die? Anna! I took the pills I wouldn't have to live. I did love him, you see. This is Paul, your fiancé. He thought I was having an affair. As if I would. As if I'd ever look at another man. Anna. Anna, it's me. If I went out for even a few minutes, he'd be asking me where I'd been. It was because we were so close. It was because he loved me. Well, she doesn't recognise me. She thinks she's someone else. She, she's got someone else's memories... Where's Anna? Where's my Anna? I'm sure this is a temporary confusion. All the studies I've read, and in the last few days I've read the most recent ones, indicate that tissue memory soon fails. But how soon? And if it doesn't? Look, I want to know who this donor was. And how did they die? Oh, something's up with the monitor. The breathing's fine. Pulse? Where is he? Why will no one tell me anything? I called an ambulance. Before I took the pills, I called an ambulance. Mark was still breathing. Pulse is fine. Must be a fault of the monitor, then. He was terrifying when he lost his temper. I didn't know what he might do. I grabbed the axe. I didn't mean to kill him. Anna, listen to me. You haven't killed anyone. She can't hear me. I don't think there's anyone to worry about. I think it's just the technical problem with the monitor here, but I need to get some equipment and do a few tests to make sure. I won't be a minute. Life support. Is that what I'm on? Why can't I move? Why can't I speak? Anna, you are moving. You are speaking. Coma? I'm not in a coma, you stupid man. I'm conscious. I can hear everything you're saying. Consent forms. Donor car's not going to recover. I don't want to recover. I've killed the man I love. You haven't killed anyone. You're not her. The woman who died. You're Anna. You're my fiancé. I love you. Yes. Switch the machine off. I took myself if I could. Give my heart to someone who wants to live. Give my heart to someone who's in love. Anna. Oh, my God. Anna. Uh, doctor, get a doctor in here! Anna. 
Mark? Jimmy! There you are at last. Mark, we're together again. Kiss me, Jimmy. Kiss me. In Tissue Memory by Judy Upton. Rachel Atkins was Anna. Kim Wall, Paul. Gerard McDermott, Mark. John Rowe, Dr. Brayfield. And Carolyn Jones, Sally. The director was David Blount. That was Tissue Memory from Fear on 4 here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was coming to us from our listener, Todd, who made that request. And Todd was uh, very accurate in his assessment of, why are you waiting so long to do Fear on 4 episodes? Because <laughs> you're right. We love the snowman killing. Love is a weird thing to say about something that uh, I'm still in therapy for. Uh, <laughs> What was the other one uh, that I loved so much? Uh, the horn. The horn. Yeah. So, Todd, if you've not heard that one, we've done other Fear and Fours. Here's my question before we delve into this. How many are there? 20, 80, 3? No, not a lot, I don't think. Well, it that's ran for several seasons. seasons. I mean, I think it's in the like 40s or, or okay. 50 episodes because it ran for a long time. I've just always got the feeling from us that we're savoring them like can't do too many of them right we just gotta spread them out we got another 45 years of this podcast we can't run out of fear on fours some of them are a bit tough believe it or not we yeah. did the snowman killing that made the cut and there's some that i don't think would yeah that's the other thing is there's some fear and fours that how do we put it uh there's some that are really shocking right mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a big ask for listeners to <laughs> to sit through some of it. Snowman killing was hard. Yeah. The kid was in the snowman. I, <laughs> <laughs> That's how he killed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as this one goes, and Todd, thank you for being a listener and for bringing that to us. But as far as this one goes, I just want to get this out of the way. This is really, really hard on me, and I think I brought this up. In previous podcasts, and if we've forgotten, oh yeah, everybody's got a deal. They call it their your nails on chalkboard. Like there's something that bugs you that doesn't bug other people. But you have like eight of them. And so what? <laughs> Shut up. I will never tell you mine. <laughs> yeah, but everybody's got something, right? Yes. Like oh, I don't like Jolly Rancher rappers. Like there's something that everybody has. Mine is the sound of a heartbeat. And this was a huge struggle. So I paced in a circle listening to this, in addition to the fact that without the heartbeat, you'd pace in a circle listening to this because of the subject matter and the difficulty of the story and what she's going through. But the heartbeat, oh, I just had to bear down. I hate that sound. I hate it so much. So uh, I only listened to it once, and I don't really know what happened. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, Dun, dun. No, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm so glad Chicken Heart still doesn't exist. <laughs> other than that quick bok, recreation. Bok, bok, bok. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing that struck me about this story was it gets to the castle. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. one of yeah. Eric's criteria for a good uh, radio show. Just right out of the gate, starting with that heart monitor. Mm-hmm. It's a great use of sound effect that provides a setting. That's what that kind of base level sound effect should do, uh, either convey a setting or convey an action in audio. But it also foreshadows the main conflict by Mm -hmm. bringing us into this operating room and the heart transplant has just taken place. And then within minutes, she's seeing somebody that her significant other, Paul, doesn't see Mm -hmm. and something strange is going on. And Mm -hmm. and we're just right in it. Mm -hmm. And then I know it disturbs you, Eric, but it was really great to use that heart yes. as your transition to let the listener know that she was going into Jilly's memories. It was a great, great device for audio storytelling, other than the nausea that I did. <laughs> to hop on that pace comment, one of the things that w- was so unsettling about this to me was the weird pace of the story. There were sometimes that I thought, like, did you just rush the whole story in like 15 minutes? Are we done? Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that pretty quickly, 
this concept, I thought that all right, we're gonna spend a whole half an hour listening to. Wait, the heart is haunting. Like, oh, the doctor is just explaining. Yeah, sometimes you get memories from <laughs> the heart. What if? <laughs> now, what's the story? Now that, you, that that's right. the mystery, right? Right. That's what I loved about this is because most of these stories in which some sort of fantastic, impossible thing is happening to a person. It becomes this tedious game of them being afraid to tell anybody um, when they do, other people not believing them. And she does the smart thing. She has just had heart surgery. She appears to be hallucinating. What would you do? You would consult your doctor. <laughs> right. And she asked really good questions. Is this the uh, anti-rejection drugs? Is this a side effect? And yeah, when he says, just says, oh yeah, tissue memory is very common in transplant patients. And uh, so I was like, what? So I did a little Googling, and it is based on some really sketchy anecdotal evidence, but the ideas have been around for a long time. I think in legitimate pseudoscience, <laughs> it's called cellular memory. Uh, but uh, So clearly, Judy Upton read about this and mm-hmm. thought it would make a great story, and it, yes, it, it turns out it does. Uh, just go a little further. You did the research that I wanted to do and didn't do because I forgot. But does <laughs> tissue memory actually exist or not? It doesn't seem likely because no scientist can tell you how memory would come from anything other than the brain. Right. There was someone in the 70s, I forget her name, Sylvia Somebody, who published a book about it that oh, she started. Sylvia Somebody? She's good. Yeah, yeah, I love <laughs> Sylvia Somebody. She's one of James Patterson's uh, co-writers. <laughs> um <laughs> And she claimed that she started to get the uh, tastes of her heart donor. Like, uh, it was a young man, and she mm-hmm. suddenly wanted to drink beer and eat pizza. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, but then the, there are some other anecdotes that don't seem to really have a source anywhere other than on, like, the Institute of Consciousness website or something crazy like that. So, um, But it persists out there as right. a urban uh, legend or form right. of pseudoscience. Sylvia Somebody was just looking for a convenient excuse <laughs> to eat beer, uh, drink beer and eat pizza. You don't need a right. transplant. To That's do why that. I do it. Yeah. <laughs> the heart transplant I'm going to have someday. <laughs> You're preparing for it. Yeah. I'll get rid of this heart one way or the other. <laughs> uh, and so in that moment when the doctor accepts her hallucinations and just says it's, it's a medical fact not to worry about it, I had a moment that turned out to be ironic given the direction the play goes where I went, oh, good. It's not going to rely on um, the sort of emotionally fragile mm-hmm. yellow wallpaper woman thing. And then it takes this horrifying abusive relationship route uh, that does end up playing in on that. And I that I was mm-hmm. almost on the fence of whether or not to play this because I'm mm-hmm. sure people listening to this have been in an abusive relationship. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really hard listen in that way and the first time i heard it i was just horrified by that ending of her returning to her clearly abusive boyfriend however on a second listen i realized that horror is what i am meant to feel yes not that uh uh, we are supposed to feel that she was totally wrong about him (laughs) and she shouldn't have defended herself when he came at her with an axe it's a sort of side entrance into a different horror story about being trapped in someone else's life. Freaky Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being haunted by them, mm-hmm. it's you're being stuck into their life. You're haunting mm-hmm. them. Well, not that's not it either, but their life becomes your prison. Right? Yeah, and I think in that way, I don't think I'm reaching too far to see a lot of parallels in Anna's story with what victims of abuse suffer. Mm. That feeling of being... Right disassociation trapped they are often afraid they won't be believed or will be blamed instead and there's all these moments where anna like when she goes to the cottage she's afraid that no one will believe her she tells them that like i'm here they're gonna see me in your garden and i'll be in trouble yeah yeah um there's so many moments of that the fear of being negated by other people in their lives that tell you you know you're just making something out of nothing and then later the doctor just just keeps telling her uh these Memories are only temporary. Mm-hmm. It's going to go away. Mm-hmm. Just push through it. Um, Just get some sleep. Yeah. And there's even that mirroring of like a code of silence when the doctor refuses to give her information about Jilly because of donor confidentiality. There's 
often people who are abused feel that they are dependent on the abuser. And she is literally dependent <laughs> on this heart. She cannot mm-hmm. yeah. leave for her life. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I found it very layered in that way. There was one thing in there that I struggled with. It's not like the awful emotional impact. It's much more boring than that. I'm kind of sorry I phrased it this way. <laughs> Sometimes she describes things she's experiencing in this very narrative voice mm-hmm. that really makes it come alive and really fills out all the details. And sometimes it's a very narrative voice that makes it seem like a book on tape. Right. That would I'm be my the on that. only critique of it. I had a few of those moments. I think the story is strong enough to barrel you through those moments, but I picked up on that as well. I want to talk about the ending. The ending is interesting to me because she's got the heart of this woman, and this is what I'm led to believe. She dies and goes to heaven, I guess, you know, the afterworld where she's with the guy that she killed. (laughs) Who is, though? Is it the woman with the heart, or is it the woman that killed the, the guy can finally now die now that her heart is dead because part of her was still alive. She couldn't quite get to heaven. That's the awful thing is it's one heart. They both go uh, in my interpretation. Yeah, they both go. But what I'm saying is, was he waiting for her? And I'm going to keep saying heaven, the afterlife, right? Was he waiting for her because she couldn't cross over because her heart? I didn't take that ending as literally as you're describing it as mm-hmm. an afterlife or heaven. I took it as those are her, as she's flatlining her final thoughts, partially mm. because we still hear her fiance, Paul yeah. saying Anna's name in the background that the, yes. that what we're really seeing is her final moments to show that she has completely disassociated. She is reliving Jilly's final moments, which are then becoming mm. her own final moments. And as Tim said, they are now one and the same. And right. her final thoughts are not of Paul. She's sti- completely forgotten Paul, and she has become Jilly. Jilly. I agree. I still think that it is an afterlife that she is now able to be in because she is now completely dead. Mm. I'm going to go with that. Also, I believe that when she crossed over, she also uh, came across Shatner chopping wood <laughs> near a cabin. <laughs> Wait to Star Trek Generations into this. There's always a reference I never see coming. <laughs> That's an interesting sort of path to the story. It is a little bit of that haunting story that I thought it was going to be and then felt like, oh, it's not a haunting. But that is a kind of a haunting. It doesn't matter if that was the writer's intent or not. I really enjoyed that thought process of you can't cross <laughs> over if you give your organ away. <laughs> anyway. So many of our listeners are ripping up their donor cards. Thanks, <laughs> I I also admit my brain started working on the story of like, Okay, so what if she dies, and then the heart is given to someone else? Yeah, <laughs> like the, nah, I bet there's a an expiration date on this heart. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but that's actually a really good question, though. Can you donate an already uh, transplanted? How organ? many times can you donate something? How many? Wow, that's a great question. Look that up right now. I'll wait. <laughs> I'm already on enough FBI watch lists. I don't need to Google that stuff. What if what if it's endless? As long as it's in ice, right? You guys just I went. Don't understand anything about heart transplants. <laughs> so I'm just not even gonna but go also, out on that limb. Like if we keep transplanting this heart and the people who receive it die within a month, maybe it's the heart. <laughs> <laughs> this also made me flash back to a discussion from a couple uh, podcasts ago about kissing sounds. Yes. When they, we were listening to Defense you. Attorney. Yeah. And we thought, oh, Mercedes McCambridge, she did a great job with that kissing scene. Mm-hmm. This guy, not so much. Nope. This guy did sound like he was eating chicken, to steal uh, <laughs> Tim's description. Yeah. <laughs> mm, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. But... Because that scene is so distressing in here, it didn't take me out. Actually, it it kind of added to the horror of it <laughs> that she finds herself suddenly in someone else's sexual memories with, with uh, uh, no yeah. control over being there. And her thoughts, again, automatically go to guilt. 
which again, it made me think of abuse. Like, oh, what if Paul knew I was here and experiencing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I found this so disturbing the way the information was slowly revealed. You almost feel guilty yourself. You're like, oh, this is a cool story about, you know, <laughs> shared memories in a heart. And as you start realizing this predicament of both women, yep, how one woman's unresolved abuse can just keep perpetuating more abuse because it was never recognized. Yeah. It, I feel like the whole thing then is about abuse, which then makes me go like, can't wait to... Have our listeners <laughs> dig into this. So, but I admire it. It's so well done, and I think that is the point of it. I mean, right. again, like Snowman Killing, it's hard to listen to, but I'm just really impressed by it as a piece of art. And I also noted, I, I think you're right, there is a, a strange formality in some of the narration when Anna is describing the events she's seeing through Jill Lee's memories. Yeah. And part of me thinks that must have been intentional. Like, she is slipping into this sort of disassociation where she is just calmly, this is not happening to me. I am. There's that part where she says, I am staring into the face of the woman whose yeah. heart yes. I now have. And it felt clunky the first time I listened to it. And then the second time I listened to it, it felt like somebody who is just going to their happy place. Mm. Like, experiencing something mm-hmm. they but could barely process. Beats, too, when she's talking about the garden... And just all these little details about everything that's growing there that was very effective to me of that disconnected horror of I know every detail of this being here for the first time. It's that weird fine line where occasionally the unreality of something can make it feel more real. (laughs) And this is why we probably don't go to Fear and Four a lot because there's a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. All right, another year and a half, we'll be ready. I, I admire it greatly, but it is a tough tough listen well any other thoughts on this episode that you need to get out (laughs) any other memories that aren't yours we'll say thank you for uh nudging us towards the fear on four we get a lot of listener requests and a lot of them are of the familiar favorites so it is nice to uh, have an excuse to travel off the familiar road yeah it was very exciting to see uh fear on four pop up on our recording list i was like yay i get to listen to another one and then not so much (laughs) (laughs) if we're ready to throw it to a vote i I, i'm gonna pull myself out of this really quickly i I don't think i should vote i was really seriously distracted by the heartbeat (laughs) (laughs) uh i thought as always production values are great i think performances are great i think fear and four is just a really well done series i think that the concept and the story is really a cool idea. So I liked it. I liked everything about it. I just couldn't wait for it to end because I can't <laughs> listen to that heartbeat. But I will say, yeah, well done. Moving on. Who's next? Someone else vote. <laughs> uh, I will say, I, I think we've talked about this in the past, of it's a little hard to bestow classic status bond fear and four just because it's older than I feel like it is, but it's still pretty modern. It's phenomenally good. It's so good. Uh, I think comparing it to the other Fear and Four we listened to, I love Horn and Snowman Killings to bits. And this one is a little trickier and a little mm-hmm. twistier. It's more experimental. It plays more. And I think there are beats where it succeeds wildly and beats where uh, it fades a little bit, mm-hmm. in my estimation. Oh, fading heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those episodes that because it strives for more, it maybe doesn't succeed as well as other episodes that didn't reach as far, other episodes that were content to just be great horror. But this shows you how horror stories can be such a great vehicle for important observations about real-life things. I mean, it unfolds in such a way that horrifies you, this escalating horror that I associate with superficial horror but it's made worse because it's a a real-life thing. And like I said, the first time I listened to it, it made me angry because I was really upset by this woman who defended herself from abuse who then felt guilty and said it was her fault and wanted to be back with this abuser. And I'm really glad that I was forced to go back and realize, no, she wanted me to feel that (laughs) disgust and horror. 
Yep. Thanks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but I think it's a really uh, powerful and important play. Do I want to listen to it again? Probably not. It's going to be right. with me for a long time. It goes into that Saving Private Ryan category. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that so. was great. Want to see it again? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Never. It, it stands the test of time. There's nothing rickety about it because it, it was yeah. written no. you know, 30 years ago or 25 years ago. Um, it's an excellent piece of writing, well-produced. Definitely stands the test of time. All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. You'll find other episodes there. These other episodes of Fear and Four we mentioned, you can find there all kinds of other stuff. You can leave comments, let us know what you thought. You can vote in polls. You can send us a message if you have episodes that you want us to listen to. We'll put them on the list and they'll be on the list then. Um, <laughs> I got to stop promising things. Um, Please. <laughs> we'll also find links to our Threadless store uh, and to our social media pages, and you can link there to go to our Patreon page. Yes, please go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. You will receive all sorts of bonus podcasts. You will receive complimentary live stream to our shows. It's a good, like, three-camera live stream. Uh, our current patrons are really enjoying it. A current, as if we like cycle through them. <laughs> Our long-standing, incredibly satisfied patrons really enjoy the streaming. <laughs> um, and uh, we also do Zoom happy hours. Uh, this month, um, by the time this releases, we will have already done it, but uh, we're getting together to discuss uh, the shadow in more detail, specifically the new James Patterson reboot of the shadow so you can imagine there will be a lot of ranting from me <laughs> how much is that worth to hear me rant more people think about it <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd like to see us perform live we do recreations and adaptations of classic old time radio drama live on stage the mysterious old radio listening society theater company also does a lot of its own original radio drama on stage and so if you'd like to see us performing live we we do monthly shows. You can find out where we're performing each month by going to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com to see not only what pieces we've selected for the month, but where we're at. Also, if you are not in the Twin Cities area and can't make it to see us live, you certainly can watch anywhere in the world because we live stream them really well with really good cameras. It's not wonky and horrible. So uh, uh, please... Just uh, buy a ticket and watch us live, or you can also watch it whenever you want, because we know how to record it, which also means that our Patreons, they get to see that free. Free. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Except for what they pay each month. <laughs> well, yeah. Free-ish. What's coming up next? Next is my pick, and we will be listening to In Flanders Fields from The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Until then. Look out! Dun, dun. No. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs>